This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Nine-year-old Inacio Lorenzo sighed in boredom. Another long school day was underway. Heavy morning rains drummed against the rooftops, a staccato counterpoint to the teacher's lectures. But at two o'clock in the afternoon, excited shouts and screams drew Inacio's teacher and the rest of the classroom outside. The clouds split to reveal the sun at its zenith and Inacio could feel his sweat mingling with the rainwater that drenched his clothing. But in the next moment, the rain stopped, and Inacio found himself on a dusty dirt road. He glanced around and was astonished to see that in a matter of seconds, the mud had completely evaporated into packed dust. And in just as short a time, his clothing had dried. Astonished, Inacio padded his shirt and pants. While he tried to process what had happened, he felt a roiling heat from above. Fearful of what he might find, Inacio glanced up to the sky. The sun plummeted from its stellar position, cutting down and to the right, then down and to the left, slicing the sky in a Z pattern. And as Inacio stared, the sun approached the earth where he and the others stood. He didn't know how to process what he was seeing, but Inacio knew that the looming sun spelled certain death. Terrified, he ran away. Are we alone? Have we been alone? Will we be alone? Stories of alien visitation have been ingrained in human history. Alien life may not be confirmed, but our obsession with it can't be ignored. Welcome to Extraterrestrial, a ParCast original. I'm Tim. And I'm Bill. Every Tuesday, we explore the marvelous and strange stories about our encounters with beings from another world. You can find more episodes of Extraterrestrial and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Extraterrestrial for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Extraterrestrial in the search bar. We're aware that some of these tales may seem completely unbelievable. Others may seem all too real. But these stories shed light on human nature, human beliefs, and human psychology and each story has garnered thousands, if not millions, of true believers. And for that reason, we think they're worth exploring. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. And if you enjoyed today's episode, the best way to help is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. It really does help. 
This is our first episode on The Miracle of the Sun, an apparition in the sky witnessed by tens of thousands of people throughout the Portuguese countryside on October 13, 1917. After an investigation, the Catholic Church declared that the miracle of the sun was a divine act of God. But today, the incident is considered by many to be an alien encounter. This week, we'll tell the story of the miracle of the sun, including the prophecies that led up to it and the immediate fallout. We'll also touch on why the alien enthusiast community believe that a Catholic miracle is actually extraterrestrial in origin. Next week, we'll explore the theory that the Catholic Church is actively involved in alien cover-ups. We'll also discuss efforts by skeptics in atheist and alien communities alike to debunk the sighting. To really understand the cultural impact of the miracle of the sun, we first have to look at the context in which it occurred. Portugal was a predominantly Catholic nation, but by the early 20th century, it was shifting towards secularism. The first Portuguese Republic came into power in 1910 and set about removing the nation's power from the churches and placing it into the hands of the state. The government arrested clergy and shut down churches. Anti-Catholic hate crimes were on the rise. It was in the midst of all this anxiety that an unusually devout girl, nine-year-old Lucia Abobara, went to tend the sheep with her cousins outside their home in the tiny village of Cova da Iria in the region of Fátima, Portugal. At nine years old, Lucia was the eldest child in her extended family and she was responsible for the well-being of her cousins, seven-year-old Jacinta and six-year-old Francisco. According to Lucia's accounts, she and her cousins were resting during the hottest part of the day when a light appeared in the sky. It hovered over a nearby home oak tree, and suddenly a shining crystalline being appeared in the beam of light and said, do not be afraid. I am the angel of peace. Pray with me. Stunned into an awed silence, Lucia and Jacinta conversed with the angel. Although Francisco could see the being, he was unable to hear what it said, even though he stood just a few feet away. The children lived before stories of alien sightings became mainstream, so they lacked the cultural context to consider the visitation as an alien sighting. Instead, they immediately accepted that the visitor really was an angel of God. We don't know what the children and the angel discussed because Lucia and her cousins told no one what they'd experienced until much later but the children seemed to have some kind of connection with the otherworldly being who appeared to them a total of three times over the course of 1916. As striking as their celestial visitation must have been, Lucia was surprisingly stoic about her encounter. As the new year began, spring came and went, and she almost forgot about her experience without ever telling anyone about it. It may seem strange that Lucia would forget something so incredible, but that's not unusual for alien sightings. As paranormal investigators Joaquim Fernandez and Fina Darmada explained in their book, Celestial Secrets, the Hidden History of the Fatima Cover-Up, Induced Amnesia is a recurring theme among people who see and interact with extraterrestrials. For whatever reason, the angel seemed to want Lucia to forget about its appearances. But about a year after the so-called angel's first appearance, Lucia, Jacinta, and Francisco were visited by another otherworldly being, and they were sure to remember this visitor. On May 13, 1917, Lucia once more found herself alone with her cousins near the Holm Oak Tree. At about noon, without any warning, a bright light appeared and engulfed the tree. While Lucia and her cousin stared, the light solidified into a person that Lucia later dubbed the Little Lady. 
From the moment the little lady first appeared, Lucia heard a faint buzzing in the background. She'd never heard anything quite like it before, but thought that it was most similar to the sound of a bee. Several people who have seen UFOs or aliens have associated the sound of buzzing with extraterrestrials. Most notably, Barney and Betty Hill, two of the world's earliest alien abductees, heard an omnipresent buzzing before they saw and later boarded an alien spaceship. It's possible that the little lady's buzzing came from the same kind of interstellar vehicle. Lucia described the little lady as being about three and a half feet tall, bald with black eyes and wearing a covering over her ears and head. She was dressed all in white with gold embroidery on her knee-length skirt and robe. This description is also consistent with later alien sightings. Although Lucia could see the little lady clearly, a blinding light shimmered around her. The light was so strong, Lucia had to avert her eyes so as not to go blind. A 1975 review by the Brazilian Society of Flying Saucer Studies identified recurring trends among 40 distinct Brazilian alien sightings. Multiple witness testimonies featured extraterrestrials who traveled within pillars of light. While the little lady wasn't considered in that review, her illuminated appearance was similar to that of aliens in the study. As soon as the little lady appeared to her, Lucia asked the being where she came from. By way of an answer, the lady simply pointed upward and Lucia understood that to mean that she came from heaven. Later theorists have speculated that the little lady was actually indicating a distant planet in the sky. Lucia asked the little lady questions about what she wanted and why she'd appeared. Although the little lady never opened her mouth, Lucia could still hear her answers clearly in her mind. Telepathy is common in alien encounter narratives. Three UFO witnesses in 1965 Venezuela reported that they witnessed aliens exit a UFO. The extraterrestrials communicated solely through their minds without ever opening their mouths. This description matches Lucius' testimony very closely. Through wordless, most likely telepathic communication, the girl learned that God was angry at humanity for its faithless ways. The little lady explained that God had sent World War I as punishment for ordinary people's sins. This warning is not dissimilar to later accounts of alien visitations, which included warnings for all of humanity. As paranormal investigators Fernandez and Darmada said in their book, Celestial Secrets, the ET messages and their codes almost always presuppose a severe criticism of human society. Wars and threats to peace and destruction of planetary resources are constant focuses of these warnings. But as a deeply religious and uneducated shepherdess, Lucia knew nothing of alien messages. Even though the little lady looked nothing like the Virgin Mary, Lucia and others of her day latched onto a religious interpretation of her vision. The little lady promised Lucia that she would return on the 13th of the month, every month until October. During these visitations, the little lady would perform miracles and share prophecies with Lucia in order to convince the public to believe in her testimony. The little lady said that she would always come at the same time, noon, and to the same place, Cova da Iria's home oak. She encouraged the children to be available to meet her at each visitation. Finally, her message delivered, the little lady turned her back on the girls. An orb of light descended from the sky and hovered over the visitor. Then the little lady and the orb slowly dissolved. Lucia, who'd never heard of spaceships or teleporters, thought this meant the little lady had ascended to heaven. Lucia knew she had only one month to grapple with what she'd seen before the next visitation. 
She was confident that the little lady was real, even if she couldn't logically explain what the visitor was. And as soon as she began to spread the word of her visitation, she'd find other forces were invested in shaping the narrative for their own purposes. Up next, the little lady appears again, and Lucia faces mockery, imprisonment, and death threats from church leaders and skeptics alike. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now, back to the story. On May 13th, 1917, 10-year-old Lucia Abobora and her cousins Francisco and Jacinta saw a vision of a woman they called the Little Lady near their homes in Fatima, Portugal. After the visitation, Lucia and her cousins hurried back home. Lucia was anxious to tell her mother, Maria Hosa, what she'd seen. But she had to wait a full day since Maria Hosa was out of town at the market. Finally, Lucia's mother came home the next morning, and Lucia greeted her on the street outside the house, where she pulled her mother into an excitable hug before she blurted out her story. Lucia's family immediately concluded that she was describing the Virgin Mary. Lucia wasn't so sure about that interpretation. The little lady looked nothing like how the Virgin Mary was depicted in art, and she hadn't said anything about being the mother of Christ. In spite of Lucia's denials, her family latched onto their interpretation, probably because their unfamiliarity with alien stories prevented them from thinking of any other explanation. Although Maria Hosa was a devout Catholic, she had serious doubts that her daughter had really spoken to a divine being. Attributing Lucia's tale to an overactive imagination, the mother gently teased her daughter. But as days and then weeks went by, Lucia continued to insist that her story was true, and Maria Hosa grew concerned. Fearing accusations of heresy, the matriarch dragged Lucia to the local church. There, Maria Hosa ordered her daughter to admit to the local priest, Father Fajera, that she'd lied about her vision. However, Lucia insisted that the little lady's appearance had been real, and she insisted the visitor would return in one month. As June 13, 1917 approached, Lucia's mother, Maria Hosa, forbade her from going to the home oak tree. But she still needed Lucia to tend the sheep that day and couldn't prevent her daughter from leaving the house. She only hoped that Lucia would be obedient. Maria Hosa had no such luck. Wearing her best dress and a new pair of shoes, Lucia encouraged Francisco and Jacinta to keep the flocks near the Holm Oak. While ostensibly watching the sheep, the children focused all their attention and excitement on the coming apparition. While they waited for the noon bells to toll, the children snacked on oranges. They recited prayers to stave off boredom. They were too young to tell time, so they tried to be constantly vigilant. Just as the day reached its hottest point, a flash of lightning cut through the sky. They looked up to find the little lady hovering over the tree, surrounded by blinding light. Once again, they all heard a buzzing sound. The visit lasted only a few minutes. While Francisco and Jacinta watched in silence, Lucia conversed with the little lady. Lucia asked her what she wanted. The visitor responded that she wanted Lucia to come back and meet her every month. When Lucia asked the little lady to take her up to heaven, the otherworldly being confessed that she couldn't do that. Troubled, Lucia asked, must I remain in the world alone? 
The little lady answered, Not alone, my child, and you must not be sad. I will be with you always. Then the little lady spread her hands, and the light around her grew brighter. Lucia and her cousins felt an immense sense of comfort and peace as they were bathed in the illumination. Many alien enthusiasts note that extraterrestrials often bring with them messages of love and warmth. One notable adherent of this is a prophet named Rael, who was born in France with the name Claude Vorion. After he was allegedly abducted in 1973, he returned to Earth to share the news of cosmic love, acceptance, and peace. Because of her own religious background, Lucia had a different interpretation of the light that gave her such a sense of comfort. She thought the little lady had shared a vision of heaven. After the light faded again, the little lady announced that she had to depart. The children watched as she stepped into a little cloud, which rose from its place above the tree and zipped away to the east. It all happened so quickly, the children stared at the horizon for minutes afterward, grappling with what they'd seen. Ufologists like Scott C. Waring believe that alien ships have the ability to cloak themselves in clouds. This allows them to pass through Earth's skies undetected. Because Lucia and her cousins saw the little lady leaving in a hovering cloud, they may have actually seen a disguised alien spaceship. When the visitor was gone, the sound of buzzing stopped. Still enthralled by what they'd seen, Lucia and her cousins lingered at the home oak. They noticed that the leaves in the tree had been crushed right where the little lady had been standing. In addition, several branches were bent toward the east, the direction the ship had disappeared into. When Jacinta and Francisco returned home, they excitedly reported to their parents all that they'd seen and heard. No longer content to keep the miraculous sightings to themselves, the parents repeated the news to everyone in town. Soon, the story of the little lady had spread throughout the country. By the time mid-July arrived a month later, Lucia and the other children had attracted a devoted following. Would-be witnesses packed the square near the home oak so tightly, a few men volunteered to stand behind Lucia, Jacinta, and Francisco to hold the crowd at bay. Noon approached, and the people in the crowd saw the sky grow dark. They heard a buzzing. It was faint, barely perceptible, but somehow also loud enough to drown out the sounds of the crowd. Numerous witnesses saw orbs of light descend from the heavens and hover over the tree. The public didn't see the little lady or hear any words spoken, but to Lucia, Jacinta, and Francisco, the little lady's appearance was as clear as day. As before, Lucia asked the little lady why she'd appeared and what she wanted. This time, finally, the little lady announced that she would work a miracle to prove her identity to non-believers. The lady reportedly conveyed three secrets or prophecies to Lucia. She then made Lucia swear not to tell anyone what she learned until the time was right. Lucia was forbidden to even write down the secrets in her private journal. Per the little lady's instructions, Lucia didn't let on that she'd heard any prophetic messages and the crowd, which hadn't heard anything more than the constant buzzing, didn't suspect a thing. The only reason we know about the secrets at all is because Lucia revealed them decades later, after they'd already been fulfilled. So far as proof of divine apparitions, prophecies announced after the fact weren't particularly persuasive. And Lucia's mother and the local priest continued to doubt the veracity of Lucia's claims. While her mother still thought Lucia was lying, the priest believed a demon deceived the girl. Since his culture didn't suggest the existence of aliens, demons were the next closest guess he could come up with. In spite of the doubters, 
Lucia became a venerated figure in the region around Fatima. She was only all too happy to see her fame and renown grow. And she imagined that the little lady was pleased as well, although it was hard to say for sure, since the being never smiled or showed any human emotion. By August 1917, word of Lucia's visions had reached Arturo Dolivera Santos, the mayor of a large nearby town. He ordered Lucia's parents to hand over custody of the 10-year-old girl. Lucia's parents, weary of their daughter's increasingly outrageous religious claims, were only all too happy to let the official take control. They still believed their daughter was lying, and they feared the public fallout when Lucia was exposed. They hoped that the mayor could bring their daughter in line and help protect her from religious fanatics. Jacinta's and Francisco's parents were suspicious of Santos and insisted that he deal with them directly. They journeyed to his offices to discuss the visitations and visions, but refused to grant him guardianship of their children. Santos, like many in the Portuguese secular government, saw the Catholic Church as a threat to public stability. Nervous about Lucia's power to inspire religious devotion in the local population, he questioned her at length, hoping to catch Lucia in a lie. But Lucia's testimony was surprisingly consistent. Records don't show exactly what Santos asked, but he held Lucia for an hour. During that time, he threatened her and even claimed he'd have the three children boiled in oil. When Lucia still didn't change her story, Santos ordered her locked in a dark jail cell. For several days in mid-August, Santos held the 10-year-old prisoner, hoping she'd eventually change her story. Every day, he continued his interrogation and threats. Still, the shepherdess insisted that the little lady was real. Lucia was still incarcerated on August 13, 1917, the day that the little lady was scheduled to make her next appearance. In her absence, Jacinta and Francisco led a large crowd out to the home oak tree on their own. They weren't sure how the little lady would respond to Lucia's absence, but they didn't want to incur her wrath by skipping the scheduled appearance themselves. As noon fell, the people at the home oak tree heard a rumbling very much like thunder. It sounded faint and seemed to come from far away, but with each second, the roar grew louder until several in the crowd began to panic. In a flash of light, a cloud of white smoke appeared over the home oak tree. It hovered for a few seconds, then ascended into the sky. In its wake, colored lights painted the crowd in flashing hues of red and blue and pink. The CIA declassified reports of a similar 1971 UFO sighting by Harbin Kuashe Shidai in China's Hunan province. Shidai watched as a flying saucer transformed into a cloud of smoke before it flew away. Also, like the Fatima sightings, Shidai's UFO emitted a yellow light. Although the people saw smoke and lights, the little lady failed to appear. Jacinta and Francisco were troubled by this development. Perhaps she was angered at Lucia's absence. As for Lucia, she struggled to remain resolute. Strangely, it wasn't difficult for her to stand firm against Santos's death threats. Her firm belief that the little lady had religious significance left her willing to be a martyr. But the long, empty days were more difficult for Lucia to bear. She missed her mother. Santos's wife snuck her toys and snacks, but Lucia found these to be a cold comfort. Still, Lucia remembered the little lady's message and swore to never recant. When it was clear that she wouldn't relent, a frustrated Santos granted her freedom in late August. He was unwilling to follow through on his violent threats and didn't see any point in keeping her prisoner. But Santos wasn't the only official eager to determine if Lucia was lying. 
In early September, Father Formi Gao of the Seminary and Lyceum of Santarim traveled 60 miles north to Fatima to investigate Lucia's claims. In the early weeks of September 1917, Formigao questioned Lucia repeatedly about what she'd seen. When she answered, Formigao could tell that she sincerely believed what she was saying. That didn't mean Lucia hadn't been tricked, but she wasn't lying. However, it does seem that some of his questioning tactics may have led Lucia to change her story. Lucia maintained that she didn't know the little lady's true name or identity, although she allowed for the possibility that the visitor was the Virgin Mary. For his part, Formigao had his doubts, especially since Lucia said that the little lady wore a knee-length gown. The high hemline struck Formigao as immodest for the Holy Mother of God. Formigao wouldn't be the first to note that extraterrestrial clothing was more revealing than that on Earth. As we discussed earlier, in 1973, a prophet named Ryle was abducted by a spacecraft manned by provocatively dressed, seductive aliens. While the little lady didn't share the ray alien's flirtatious demeanor, she had a scandalous tendency to thwart societal norms. But Formigal wasn't thinking of aliens when he interviewed Lucia. Instead, focusing on holy matters, he pressed and prodded, repeatedly asking Lucia if she was sure about the knee-length skirt. Finally, the girl relented, saying the little lady wore a modest, long gown. Strangely, Formigal didn't think the changing story hurt Lucia's credibility. He assumed she'd misspoken earlier and took the updated description as proof that Lucia really had seen the Virgin Mary. Formigal's leading interrogation led Lucia to change other descriptions as well. The being became taller and more beautiful. Lucia remained consistent as she described the little lady as standing in the center of a bright light and as communicating without moving her mouth. Intrigued by the story and eager to witness a miracle for himself, Formigao decided to visit the home oak himself on September 13, 1917. That day, he found a large crowd of thousands gathered in anticipation. Right on schedule, at high noon, colors danced through the air and a light shone from the sky, illuminating the home oak. People began to point upward, shouting things like, Look, don't you see? A glowing ball of light descended from the sky and hovered over the crowd. It emitted a buzzing sound, and Lucia began to speak to the little lady. Formigao didn't see the little lady, but he did witness the lights. Eager to ask the little lady his own questions, Formigal relayed his queries to Lucia, and Lucia repeated the questions for her visitor. Formigal asked for the little lady's name, but received no answer. However, Lucia reported that the little lady would mark her final appearance in October. That day, she'd perform a miracle that would convince all the non-believers. It would cast aside all doubts and questions, including those that Formigal still harbored. After Lucia delivered the message, Formigao and the others watched as the ball of light rose into the sky again before zooming out of sight. The buzzing stopped, and although the orb of light looked just like an alien spaceship, Formigao and the others continued to believe they'd witnessed an appearance of the Virgin Mary. Encouraged by the little lady's promises, Lucia and her followers spread the news that October 13th, 1917, would change the world and the Catholic Church forever. Up next, the little lady's appearances culminate in the widely witnessed and heavily reported upon Miracle of the Sun. Now, back to the story. For six months, an inhuman being called the Little Lady visited 10-year-old Lucia Abobora in Fatima, Portugal. 
At the September appearance, Lucia predicted that her followers would see a great miracle at noon on October 13, 1917. As the date of the Lady's October visitation approached, many pilgrims journeyed to Fatima, hoping to witness the miracle for themselves. In addition, several skeptics and atheists also gathered in the region. Most notably, reporters from Osekulu and Odia, two secular newspapers, attended. These individuals were certain that nothing of note would happen, and they hoped to debunk Lucia's fraud. Between the faithful, the skeptics, and the press, by October 13, 1917, so many witnesses gathered that they packed the field around the Holm Oak and spilled over onto nearby streets. Villagers a mile away could hear the roar of the crowd. Different sources cite different crowd sizes, but most reports say there were between 70 and 80,000 people. More generous estimates suggest the crowd reached 100,000 strong. The morning began with a heavy downpour. As pilgrims and skeptics alike assembled at the Holm Oak, they found muddy puddles, cutting winds, and chilly rain greeted them. Because so many visitors were from out of town, many found themselves without umbrellas. For hours, shivering, wet, and cold people waited at the Holm Oak. The inclement weather didn't slow the crowd's growth and the press of people provided little shelter from the wind and rain. Lucia had originally predicted that the little lady would appear at noon. As the church bells rang out, at the stroke of 12, the crowd quieted and looked to the tree, ready to witness a miracle. But midday came and went, and the little lady never showed. The anticlimax was discouraging. Nervous and disappointed crowd members looked to Lucia for guidance, but the girl simply knelt and prayed, seemingly unconcerned. So following her cue, the rest of the people settled down to wait. The skeptics began voicing their doubts in the early afternoon, but Lucia insisted that her prediction hadn't been disproven yet. The sun hadn't reached the highest point in the sky yet, Lucia argued that the little lady would appear then, at true midday. So the crowd continued to wait. Those who believed Lucia were eager to see the miracle, and those who sought to disprove her wanted to stick around and witness Lucia's public humiliation all the way to the end. Lucia's uncle and aunt worried that if Lucia's prophecy didn't come true, the crowd would turn on the children and maybe even murder Lucia, Jacinta, and Francisco. The adults scrambled to plan for a worst-case scenario. As the sun climbed, the shivering, wet crowd watched in anticipation. And finally, at 2 p.m., it reached its high point. Immediately, the rain stopped and the clouds parted, revealing a bright blue sky. The sun beamed bright golden light, illuminating the field while still remaining dull enough that the assembly could stare directly at it without hurting their eyes. One alternative explanation for this vision was that the crowd wasn't watching the sun at all, but a descending alien craft. UFO sightings frequently feature glowing orbs that emit light. In fact, writer Brett Tingley reported that light-emitting round objects are the single most common kind of alien craft sighting. In seconds, the air grew warm enough to transform mud into baked earth and dry the witnesses' clothes. This bears some similarity to the phenomenon of lost time that is common to UFO and alien sightings. If the public forgot the hours between the storm's end and the sun drying the rain, they would have subjectively experienced an instant shift from a gloomy, rainy midday to a hot, dry late afternoon. Another explanation could be that of extraterrestrial fallout. 
Betty Cash and Vicki and Colby Landrum, who sighted a UFO on December 29, 1980, have noted that alien spaceships emit large amounts of heat and radiation, enough, even, to evaporate deep puddles of rainwater in less than a second. Lucia, and only Lucia, saw the little lady descend from the sky. She landed above the Holm Oak and was joined by two figures, an adult and a two-year-old clothed in red robes. As the man made the sign of the cross, Lucia somehow understood that she was seeing Joseph and the baby Jesus. All the while, Lucia could hear a buzzing, which drowned out all the sounds of the massive crowd around her. Lucia noticed that the lady never opened her mouth, but she could still hear everything the visitor said. Lucia wondered if the lady was somehow communicating through the buzz. Although Lucia later claimed to have no recollection of saying anything, numerous witnesses heard her shout, look at the sun. Ufologists Fernandez and Darmada noted in Celestial Secrets that alien contactees often experience hypnotic states where they can be compelled to act in a certain way or forget specific behaviors. The little lady could have controlled Lucia to shout, look at the sun, without the 10-year-old ever realizing it. And the people did as they were told. The crowd looked from one side of the sky to the other, following the sun's motions. Photographs of the crowd showed everyone moving and looking together, seeing the same thing. One such witness was Mario Gorginho. He'd been skeptical of Lucia's claims from the beginning, but his mother wanted to attend the October appearance, and since Mario was the only family member to own a car, he agreed to take her to Fatima in his Model T. When the disc appeared in the sky, Mario was sitting alone in his comfortable, dry driver's seat. His mother had disappeared into the crowd hours before. Although he'd been certain he'd see nothing, at two o'clock, he watched the sky darken and climbed out of the car in astonishment. He didn't know which was more astonishing the way the sun darted across the sky, or the fact that all around him, the rainwater immediately dried. Mario knew nothing of alien spacecraft or radiation, so he was forced to conclude that Lucia was a real prophet. Another eyewitness was Lucia's uncle Mato, who said, we looked easily at the sun, which for some reason did not blind us. It seemed to flicker on and off, first one way, then another. Then, at a certain moment, the sun appeared to stop spinning. It began to move and dance in the sky until it seemed to detach itself from its place and fall upon us. It was a terrible moment. Dr. Domingos Cuello saw the sun itself change shape and color. He explained, the sun was not spheric like the moon, nor did it have the same color, tone, or shading. It looked like a glazed wheel made of mother of pearl. The clouds passed from west to east and did not obscure the light of the sun, giving the impression of passing behind it. The fact that the disk moved in front of the clouds once more suggests that the people weren't really watching the sun at all but an independent flying object, such as an alien ship. The fact that so many witnesses heard the continuous buzzing noise supports this theory, since UFOs reportedly make this sound. Although the witness reports vary in many details, one aspect is consistent. The people who saw the event were terrified. They were certain that the world was ending, and that the boiling sun would incinerate them all. Eyewitness and devout Catholic Maria Dua Capellinia detailed the public's terrified reactions, saying, the sun looked like a wheel of fire that was going to fall on the people. They began to cry out, we shall all be killed. Others called to Our Lady to save them. 
They recited acts of contrition. Accounts from miles away included similar stories of the sun's strange movement, the air changing colors, and the blast of heat that evaporated the morning's rainwater. A crew of British sailors witnessed the miracle of the sun from their ship off the Portuguese coasts, although they didn't report on the buzzing sound. Records suggest that they were some of the farthest people from Fatima to see the solar phenomenon. Finally, after about 10 minutes, the sun resumed its usual color and texture and returned to its stationary spot in the heavens. Lucia watched as the little lady reached toward a dark patch of sky, and at her touch, the clouds parted. A spinning, dull, silver disc descended upon the little lady who turned her back on Lucia. Then the unearthly visitor's feet began to dissolve, and once they were gone, her legs melted away next. The entire process took only a minute before the strange visitor faded away to only a head. Then that too vanished. Some alien witnesses have reported on UFOs' abilities to teleport people and objects using beams of light. A couple in 1989 Zimbabwe and three men in 1989 Italy all reported entering colorful shafts of light and emerging in a new location. While Lucia believed she saw the little lady ascend to heaven, ufologists believe the silver disc, her ship, beamed her up from her spot over the home oak. Only with the little lady's departure did the buzzing sound stop. Although several reporters were present for the miracle of the sun, including photographers who documented the crowd before, during, and after the sun's apparition, no pictures exist of the sun's mysterious behavior. Although the disk was dim enough to look at, photographers found it was too bright to show up on film. Generally, photographic evidence of UFOs is rare. Even alien enthusiast Scott Brando noted in a 2016 interview with The Express that the vast number of UFO photos are hoaxes or camera errors. He went so far as to say that no credible UFO photograph exists. It's unclear if this is because of some feature that makes UFOs unphotographable. Perhaps UFO sightings are too quick or too astonishing for photographers to think clearly enough to snap a photo. Or maybe no one can get an authentic photo because alien sightings are largely hoaxes. Even other mass UFO sightings fail to produce substantive photographic evidence. On January 8, 2008, around 40 witnesses near Stephenville, Texas, saw what they believed to be an alien craft in the sky but they were only able to snap a single blurry and distorted photograph. Even without physical evidence, the sheer scope of the event and the variety of corroborating reports ruled out an ordinary hoax. Even the region's most secular newspapers declared that a miracle had occurred in Fatima, Portugal. Naturally, the church was eager to investigate and guide the testimony regarding such an event. That's why Father Manuel Formigao questioned Lucia and her cousins soon after the miracle of the sun. A few hours after he interviewed Lucia, Formigao confiscated several hand-drawn pictures Lucia had made of the little lady. Some also believe that Formigao gathered photographs taken of the sun's movements, and that this explains why a crowd of thousands was unable to snap a single picture of the event. As of 2019, Lucia's pictures have never been released to the public, nor has the church ever admitted to confiscating photos. But that doesn't prevent many from speculating that for a century, the church has been involved in a cover-up regarding the true story of Lucia's visitations in Fatima. Alien enthusiasts have long believed that the federal government is actively hiding the existence of intelligent extraterrestrial life. 
While fewer theories involve the Catholic Church, it's undeniable that the Vatican has vast resources of its own. In fact, that's what many alien enthusiasts believe. Next week, we'll explore the ways the Vatican tried to control the narrative around the miracle of the sun, even attempting to silence many eyewitnesses. We'll unpack the church's reasons for this behavior. Given how the little lady's visitations and the miracle of the sun inspired many devout Catholics, it seems natural that the church would want to promote the story. Instead, they locked Lucia away and forbade Catholics from even discussing the events. Many believe there's only one reason for the church's behavior. They knew that the little lady wasn't the Virgin Mary at all, and they were threatened by the truth. In fact, many believe that the church has spent centuries actively hiding all evidence of extraterrestrial life. We'll explore that theory in our next episode. Thanks for tuning in to Extraterrestrial. For more information on the miracle of the sun, amongst the many sources we used, we found The True Story of Fatima by Father John Dimashi and Celestial Secrets by Joaquim Fernandez and Fina Darmada extremely helpful to our research. Next week, we'll discuss Lucia's life after the miracle of the sun and debate the likelihood that the Vatican intentionally covered up evidence of intelligent alien life. We'll also try to determine if the miracle of the sun was a divine manifestation, an alien visitation, or a simple misinterpretation of ordinary solar events. You can find more episodes of Extraterrestrial and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals like Extraterrestrial for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Extraterrestrial on Spotify, just open the app, Tap Browse and type Extraterrestrial in the search bar. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll see you next time. Extraterrestrial was created by Max Cutler. It's a production of Cutler Media and part of the ParCast Network. It's produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Russell Nash, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro and Paul Mahler. Additional production assistance by Maggie Admire and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Extraterrestrial was written by Angela Jorgensen and stars Bill Thomas and Tim Johnson. 